All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, it's almost all the way to the right. And we're continuing our series on spiritual gifts. We talked about two weeks ago how uh, Jesus would describe the church as a body, and He is the head, and it's made up of a variety of different parts. Each person has a different function. Each gift is vital to the health of the body. An unhealthy member of the body makes an unhealthy body, and it's the same way in the church. Everybody has an important role to play. They have a gift that they've been given that they are called to use. And so last week, we looked at two different passages, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, about spiritual gifts. And we looked, there were about 30 spiritual gifts, and, and we cruised through that. And today we're going to uh, summarize our sermon series with the main point of spiritual gifts, and that is that we glorify God with the gifts He has given us. Glorify God with the gifts He has given us. This past week, we had a, a staff member, Mr. Conda is his name, uh, teaches on the second floor, said that he would take on the Bardzilla Challenge. Now, for those that are in Covington, you know Bard's Burgers is famous for their burgers. And on the wall, they have this thing called the Bardzilla Challenge. You get an hour to eat 11 cheese or burger patties with two slices of cheese. Right, so basically a pack of cheese slices with two pounds of fries. And you get an hour to do that. And if you do, the meal is free and you get a t-shirt and you get your picture on the wall of fame. And I told Mr. Conda before he went, you know what, I'm tired of just seeing firemen pictures up on the wall. We need to get some staff members from Holmes up on the wall. Well, my man gets there and, and orders this, but you want to know what he doesn't do when he gets to this table? He doesn't complain about the color of the tablecloth. He doesn't complain that there's no cushion in his seat. He doesn't ask the waitress how many dressings come with the salad. He's there for a mission, <clears throat> right? He starts, he gets this and just starts chowing down. Now listen, after about 45 minutes, he waved the white flag. He did not get to the fries, which I understand. But he also didn't get distracted. I think when it comes to spiritual gifts, a lot of times we get distracted from the main point of those gifts, and that is to bring glory to God. All of us in Christ have a gift. Use it for the glory of God. And so sometimes we'll get distracted with, well, what is my gift? Should I do this or should I do that or should I do this? When the Bible calls, says, hey, each one of you received a gift. Be a good steward. Use it to serve one another so that God is glorified. And so I want us to clarify the message uh, and the series that when we talk about spiritual gifts, the purpose of your giftedness is so that you bring glory to God. Mr. Conda showed up to eat a burger on the Barzilla Challenge, not complain about uh, the tablecloth and the options for salad dressing. You have been gifted, not for your own glory, but for God's glory. And so that's what we're going to dig into this morning. And listen, I'll be brief. I know time is short. And so let's do some work. First Peter chapter four, verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray with everything that's going on this morning that you uh, give us clarity. Help us focus on the word you have for us this morning. I pray that you open up hearts and open up minds. I pray that we're captivated by your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, all we're going to do is walk through this passage. And so, first off, we start out, as each have received a gift. As each has received a gift. It's very, very important that you understand, just because you showed up to a church building does not mean you are in the church. The way that you know you belong to the church is with your relationship with Christ. If you are in Christ, you have received a gift. Peter here is writing to a church. He's writing to a people that belong to Christ. And so I want to make sure we're clear on that. But if you are in Christ, guess what? You have a gift. It reminds me, and I don't know why I had this show in my head when I read this, but if you guys remember the Oprah show, right, the Oprah Winfrey show, super popular back in the day. Some of you young guys might not remember it, but Oprah had this audience, and she had a great surprise for the audience members. Every member in the audience this day on this show would get a car. And she would go, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. And sure enough, everybody in the audience received a key and got a car. And this reminds me of what God does with the church. He's like, hey, and you have a gift, and you get a gift, and you get a gift, and you get a gift. And the awesome part is when we come together, we see how we serve one another, and God gets the glory. He is very generous in giving gifts, and each one has received a gift. But I think sometimes we look at the church as something radically different. So UK played Florida last night. 20,000 people in the stands. Over 20,000 people in the stands. Guess how many people played last night? 18. 18. And one guy from Florida only got a minute, but he got in the game. 18 guys showed up. Now, there's a reason why. If we had a picture of the crowd and we went by and saw the crowd, we understood not everybody could be on the court. Some guys are too old. Some guys are too young. A lot of people can't play basketball. But 18 of them qualified. They were gifted to do that. But sometimes we see that spectator mentality in the church. And so we show up to a service and think that's all we have to do for the week. We paid our dues. We're done. The problem is that's not how the Bible paints the picture of the church. You're a part of the body. You have a gift. You are called to use it. Everybody has a gift. So instead of thinking a basketball game, going to a basketball game, think tug of war. Think tug of war. And I didn't realize this. There are professional tug of war teams out there. I didn't know that, but I did know this. In elementary school, listen, I wasn't fast. I've never been fast, but I was big, and I could pull a rope. It's pretty simple. But you want to know what separated our elementary school from the other elementary schools at track and field day? We had some big and aggressive girls, right? You had 10 guys and 10 girls, and our girls were tougher, bigger, and stronger than our guys. And I really didn't care about them until we started pulling against some other elementary schools. And we started tugging and we're moving. One of our guys slips, scrapes his knee. He's bleeding. And the girl yells at him, get up and grab the rope. Like, oh, my gosh, pull this thing. Like, we're in trouble. Everybody mattered in the tug of war. And when someone slipped or when someone let go of the rope, made it harder on everybody else. That's how I want us to see the church. Everybody should have hands on the rope. Everybody should be involved in the ministry. You have been gifted for that purpose. All right, so each one has received a gift. Number two, 
as good stewards of God's varied grace. So you've got a gift. Be a good steward. And, and steward's a, a little bit word. Basically, is can God trust you with the gift he's given you? Some people use it. Some people don't. Some people have give, been given athletic talent. Some people use it. Some people don't. Some people have been given different musical ability. Some will use it. Some won't. You have given, been given a spiritual gift. What will you do with that gift? So I'll, I'll use Andrew um, as an example. Dad and his lawn care company had all sorts of different equipment. You had a, a blower that would take paint off a car, which was the best piece of equipment to have. It was the easiest thing out there. Uh, the weed eaters you wanted to avoid. That was the hardest labor in the company. Um, There's these laser, the zero turn mowers that I showed you guys last week. You got handles and you got, well, dad would get that right? It's expensive equipment. He was slow to trust us using his equipment. But eventually, after I proved myself on enough open fields, he let me try the mower, right? And I thought, man, this is good. But then Andrew saw it and said, like, hey, you know what? I can drive better than Ben. I'm going to get on the laser myself. So one time we're at our, our house mowing our neighbor's houses and dad goes in to get a drink of water. I'm finishing blowing off, put the stuff in uh, the back of the truck and I see Andrew jump on the laser. He's like, hey, watch this. Here comes dad after getting his drink of water, shuts it and he's coming out the garage and, and Andrew's about like the back wall from, from dad and dad's like, Andrew, get off. And Andrew looks back and he gooses the mower. Front pops up a little bit and he jerks it forward, stops it. He's like, Andrew, get off, don't play. Andrew looks back, gooses it again. The problem is what Andrew didn't see was the basketball goal in front of him. And my man, bam, drills the basketball goal. At that point in time, dad's running to Andrew. Andrew gets off the mower, takes off. And I'm thinking, this is fantastic. I'm never going to have to worry about Andrew taking my spot on the laser, right? But I will tell you one thing that dad trusted Andrew with were the weed eaters. And so we'd have to mow, and listen, for, for us growing up, you guys might never ever think about this, but if you ever go by cemeteries and they're well-maintained, somebody had to weed eat it. That is the worst, one of the worst jobs on the planet, right? And so you're weeding, your you're back of the neck is just burnt to pieces, so you're trying to cover it up. You're, you're getting cramps in your hands and in your necks, and you just keep walking around. You're getting dizzy, and it's not fun. My man, Andrew, could do a whole cemetery in four hours. It took us eight hours to mow this thing with two 60-inch mowers, and, and Andrew, zoom, zoom, zoom. We had another guy that, that Dad used for weed eating, and he'd get to the, the cemetery. He'd put his sun uh, screen on, and that'd take him about a half hour, but he was on the clock. <laughs> then he'd tie his bandana up, but it'd be wrong. He'd take it back off and fix it, then retie it. Then he'd take the weeder and he'd go, but ah, he gets to the spot. Then he goes back to the truck because he forgot his gas. He'd go a little bit and he's like, ah, my line's out. And it'd take him about a half hour to do the line. Well, he didn't get to stay with the company too long. He was fired pretty quickly. But Andrew was never fired. Why? Because dad could trust him with his stuff. You see, God's given us gifts and he's called us to be good stewards with the gifts he has given. Now, the question that we should be having, one, am I in Christ? Two, what is my gift? Three, how do I use it? Peter tells us how. Leads us to the third thing. One way we can glorify God by using our gifts is through serving one another. 
serving one another. This goes radically against the tide of popular opinion today. With the look at me type of attitude and I should get the glory attitude. This is coming in to a people not focused on self, but focused on how to serve others. So if you want to know your giftedness, begin by serving others. And, and with that, th there's a, a couple of important things about this. Number one, most of the serving, most of the ministry doesn't happen here from 11 to 12. Right. So growing up, when, when I thought, oh, everybody's got a spiritual gift. OK, what do I have to do? What does that look like? Um, I always thought I could either speak in front of people on Sunday at church at the church building or I had to sing, which terrified me. I don't want a mic or I had to play instruments. And it took me a long time to learn a couple songs on the piano. And I wasn't very good at it. And my mom was my piano teacher. It got so bad, she got impatient with me. Right? I, I don't bring much gifts. And so I'm thinking, I, I can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. There's no spot for me. The problem is that's not how the church is. The church is not just 11 to 12 on a Sunday morning. It's every day of the week, every hour of the day. Your gifts won't show up here. They'll show up out there. So we got a church gathered today, right? We gather together, encourage one another, worship God. But then we have a church scattered, and that's where gifts take off. So don't be thinking you have to come here to use your gifts. Most of the ministry and our gifts on display will happen in the streets, not in the seats. All right? So as, as we have that, I want us to, to see this. Uh, I, I try to connect it. Um, we'll see if this works. Football season. There's two positions that not a lot of people respect. Right? Two positions on a football team not a lot of people respect. The kicker and the long snapper. Yeah, the holder would count too. But the kicker and the long snapper. However, both of those positions are very, very important. And so every year at Holmes High School, we'll have tryouts and everybody thinks they can kick. Am I right, Phil? I'm right. All right. Everybody thinks they can kick. And so we'll just say, all right, guys, line up on the 50, take a punt. And we'll have guys kick it. And somehow they kick it behind their heads for a negative point. Like, you're not the punter. Right. But then we'll be surprised every year at who can kick the snot out of a football. And so this year it was Mario Foster. Mario Foster happens to be one of the bigger guys. I wouldn't think he'd have the flexibility to lift his leg up and get enough oomph behind it to kick it, but my man can boot the ball. And so he turned out to be our punter. And then our long snapper, I didn't think had a spot on the field. He's a freshman, has this long blonde hair, skinny dude, but somehow he has the technique to snap a ball from about right here to that maroon wall. And most of the time it's accurate and gets there quickly, which is very important because guys are chasing trying to block that punt. And so my man earned a spot on the field because he, I had no idea his giftedness. How did he find out? He put it into play. He used it. You will discover your giftedness not by talking about it, but by using it. So please look for ways to serve one another. That's how you'll find your giftedness. And so Peter, what he does here, gives us two ways to do that, right? Two ways. He, remember that list of about 24 gifts we had last week? I think we have it up here. Um, there's a, this is pretty complex, right? And so you can go through this and you're like, I don't know here. I don't know. Here, maybe here. Maybe. Well, well, Peter knocks it down to two. 
He's like, you have the gifts of speaking or you have the gifts of serving. And both of those aren't mutually exclusive. Those who speak should be serving and those who serve should be speaking as they serve. But he narrows it down to help clarify. And so real quick, how are we going to serve one another? Well, one way is by speaking. And I love this. Whoever speaks through speaking the word of God. So our preaching, our teaching, a wisdom, words of wisdom, words of knowledge should flow out from the word of God. Now, this is very, very important, especially when we have something like baby dedication. We don't need more opinions on how to parent kids. What we desperately need is what does God have to say on how to raise a child who loves God? That's what I'd want to hear. That's what I want. So as Ava gets ready to be in high school, I want to see and hear how people got high school students to love Jesus while they were in high school. That's what I want. I don't want to hear your opinion on what's cool and, and what's the best way to pay. I want to hear what God has to say and how you applied it to your life. And that's the cool part about the church and the giftedness. We have that. Here, we have that. And that's just one area. I want to hear how some of you guys have used your resources and your finances in a way that give God glory. I don't want to hear about how I can get a big bank account so I can buy a cooler truck. Right? I want to hear how I can honor God with my resources. So, I, I, I use this to help us see. This is, this is a rosin bag. Right? And so when you speak, it says, speak the oracles of God. Here's the cool part. When, when you have this bag, and, and all this is, is filled up with rocks. Pitchers will use it to get grip. And it's very, very effective. Right? We need this for our football team, for our wide receivers. This would be helpful. But this is a rosin bag. And you can see that. Do you guys see that? When you come into contact, you get the dust. Right? This is very, very important for people who say they have giftedness in speaking, whether it's teaching, exhorting, rebuking, encouraging. When you speak, what should happen, the stuff that people should see is the word of God, not your opinion. And so as they come in contact, you can't come in contact with this bag without getting the stuff on you. And it's the same way when you speak. You shouldn't be speaking. It's just be your opinion. It should be filled with the word of God. That's what it means. Those who speak, speak the oracles of God. Now, I've seen a lot of people do bad things with this. Right. There's a lot of pastors uh, that are giving off a, a cool talk this morning and it's self-help or some. I went to uh, to one church and the guy uh, explained 10 reasons why we should keep a diary. That has nothing to do with God's word. And I looked at Julianne, I'm like, we're never coming back here. I don't have an hour on Sunday to hear about some guy's opinion on keeping a diary. At least call it a journal. Right. <laughs> I, uh, forget. But then. I have a good example. We had a, a group here, a group of men, and one guy was talking about a phase in life, um, talking about retirement. Should he stop work here? Should he pick up work here? Should he go back here full time? And, and like that's a complicated life situation, life stage. And then we had another guy who's nowhere close to that stage say, hey, you know what? I heard this verse. And he turns to it, finds it in his Bible. He reads it about how we rest in God and, and he applies it well. And I was blown away because in that moment, he was given the gift of wisdom. He had something from the Word of God that applied to a situation, and he did it well. He has no idea what retirement's like. He's not building on experience. He's building on the Word of God so that when he spoke, he spoke the Word of God. So that's what it should look like. So for those in the room with the gifts of speaking, when you speak, it should be filled with the Word of God. And then number two, those who serve, serve 
by the strength of God. 1 Peter 4.11, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God supplies. Very, very important. If you don't do this, what happens is if you serve in your own strength, you will become bitter and tired. And, and I was at a church, the first church I pastored, small country church. We had more cows, literally, in my backyard than we had people in the church. And I can remember, th there's something called the 80-20 rule, where 20% of the people do 80% of the work in most churches. Well, here it was more like the 90-10 rule. We had one family that did everything. Cleaning, getting announcements out, serving, going to the school, everything. And then we had about 90 people show up and did about 10% of the work. And the 10% was this guy sitting on the back. When it got hot, he would go back to the thermostat, turn it down during the service. That was it. That's all he did. I don't want that in Redemption Church. I want 100% of our people doing 100% of the ministry. And so let's serve using the power God supplies. And I'll use this. We were out in Africa, in Chi country, out in Benin. And I had a, a buddy. His name was Dophil. Dophil was a tiny dude, right? This is him. He was a little bit older than me. And we were building this structure, right? You want to know how you get these to this spot? You walk out into the bush country, which I'm already nervous, right? I know there are snakes there. I just don't see them. Right. And so I'm walking by and Dophil passes me on the trail heading back to here with one of these on his head. He's just bouncing. I'm like, man, this tree must not be that heavy. So I get to the guy who's cutting it down. He's cutting him down with a machete, which was pretty impressive. Right. You don't need an axe, don't need a just a machete. Boom. Gets it down. And he hands me one of these trees. Now that is a pole. And I go, ah, oh, I'll get that. And he looks at me and he's, he doesn't speak English and I don't speak chi. He's like, no. I go, yes, I can get this. He's like, no. And he points to this and it's basically a little limb. I said, like, I can get. So I pick it up, put it on my shoulder and my pride won't let me put it down. But as soon as I pick it up to put it on my shoulder, I realize the mistake I made. Right. I can't carry this thing. I am sweating. I'm getting dehydrated. I turn the corner and I do. I pray, God, please give me strength not to pass out and faint in this country. Right out here. No medical attention. And I'm not sure they're going to carry me. Right. Sure enough, Matt comes walking around the corner. I go, Matt, you got to help me out here. I can't get this thing. And God shows up and gives strength when I needed it. I tried to do it myself. I couldn't do it. Pride kept me leaning on my own strength. But when I called on God to give strength, he does. And he sent help. It was Matt. And we were able to carry it down, get it here. And we built Now, was I embarrassed? A little bit. A little bit. But my man, Dophil, knocked it out. Strength that God supplies. All right. So if you serve, serve with the strength God supplies. And then finally, you see the last part of this verse that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. How is God glorified through Jesus Christ? All right, so all of this, serving in His strength, speaking His word, serving one another, the only way that happens is through Jesus. Jesus says, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is doing His thing. And He's gathering a people for Himself. And He's giving you a very specific gift. And He's arranged you exactly where He wants you in His body. And he's called you to be a good steward. Use that gift for his glory and for our good. And when that happens, guess what? God gets the glory. Now, I'm going to leave you with this. Um, 
Mom and Dad had our, our young, my youngest brother, October 20th, 1990. Do you know what happened October 20th, 1990? The Reds won the World Series. Right? So Mom and Dad are at St. E at the hospital. They're in the middle of delivery. Do you think Dad told Mom, hey, hon, can you hold on a second? Uh, we got this important game going on. The Reds are about to clinch the championship. No, Dad didn't care about the game. Why? Because something more glorious was occurring. He was fixated on something more glorious. Now, here's my problem. This is my prayer for, for us as a people. I think all of us are tempted to go after the glory of something very, very small. Could be a job, could be money, could be popularity, could be athletic accomplishment. And we strive and we pursue it and then we get it and it's not as glorious as we thought. And when Peter gets to here after describing the church and how each one's received a gift and how we should serve one another, his heart is filled. And do you hear how this passage ends? To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter is blown away by the glory of God. This is my prayer that we as a people are blown away by the glory of God. Because when we're blown away by the glory of God, we won't be distracted by lesser glories. The only way you're going to serve one another, the only way I can get Jeffrey to serve Richard is if he's blown away by the glory of God. Because then he sees, you know what, I don't want to do that. I'd rather stay here, play basketball out at the park or play video games. But you know what, I'm more consumed with the glory of God so that I can serve one another for their good and then God's glory. And that is my prayer and my hope. And that is where we are going. So my prayer for Redemption Church, that we serve one another so God gets the glory. And then my prayer for our guests, that you plug into a church and is serious about serving one another so God is glorified. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, thank you for the babies you have blessed us with. Thank you for the families that you have given. And Lord, I also pray that sometimes these Sundays are hard. They're hard for, for families that are trying and trying to figure out why is this not happening in my life. And so, Lord, I pray you bring a strong comfort and a peace that surpasses understanding. And Father, I pray that as a church, we are consumed with your glory. That we serve one another, that we're good stewards of the gifts you have given. Father, I thank you for the families that have dedicated their children. I pray that we give strong support and encouragement their way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.